Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. This episode of Intuitive Bites Podcast is brought to you by Workweek Lunch. This is something that has been a lifesaver for me. Workweeklunch.com has an amazing, affordable meal planning tool that's all about saving you time, effort, and money when it comes to your meals so you can get more out of life. We all know how meal planning can be a bit overwhelming, especially when you're trying to figure out where it fits in while working on your relationship with food with intuitive eating. That's where workweeklunch.com shines. With easy-to-follow, delicious meal plans, it takes the guesswork out of what to cook and helps you focus more on enjoying your food. What I personally love about Workweek Lunch is how it simplifies decision-making around food in the moment. No more decision fatigue about meals leading to grazing throughout the day and ultimately not feeling good. Workweek Lunch makes your life easier, giving you back those precious hours for things you love beyond the kitchen. If you're ready to get organized with your food in a way that supports, not hinders, your relationship with food, head over to workweeklunch.com intuitive-bites for five of my favorite meal prep recipes that will help you totally rethink what it means to meal plan. Save time, enjoy your food, and take the stress out of mealtime with Workweek Lunch. Hey guys, welcome to episode 172 of Intuitive Bites. Today I'm chatting with Melissa Landry, who you may know from Instagram as no.more.guilt. And we're talking all about striking that balance between too much structure and not enough structure when you're healing from binge eating, right? So it's really like that pendulum swing can really drive you crazy when you're, you know, in full control mode and then all of a sudden you're completely out of control. And it's like, how do we find that nice, happy medium in the middle um, where it just feels good. So Melissa answers lots of questions around this. We have really great discussion. This is going to be a great one to share with you guys. Uh, Before we dive into that, I am hosting a free masterclass coming up on Tuesday, March 12th at uh, at noon Eastern time. And it's all about food and body peace. So if you are struggling with your relationship with food, this is definitely a great masterclass for you to come and join. I'm also going to be sending out the recording to everyone who registers. So you can register by going over to the link in my bio on Instagram. I'm also going to leave the link below this episode. My Instagram is at the intuitive underscore RD. Very quick registration process. Just leave your name, your email address so I can send you the link uh, to join the session. All right, guys, let's go ahead and listen in to my conversation with Melissa. Okay, welcome, Melissa. Can you share a little bit about yourself and the work you do? Absolutely. So my name is Melissa Landry. I am a registered dietitian, just like you, and I work with clients in a lot of different ways, but more recently, one-on-one. Um, specializing really in people who have a very long history of dieting, who connect with this idea of generational diet trauma, meaning they saw their mom's diet, their dad's diet, their aunt's diet, that there was a lot of talk about size and bodies in the home. And it definitely still impacts you today. I know, gosh, too many people that have that story and definitely connect to it in my own. 
And I like to help people figure out what do you do when you realize you're done with all of that, that you don't want to live with it. You don't want to pass it on to your own kids. How do you make meaning of that time? Find health without all of the guilt and shame. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. And I, as you're talking about that, I'm like, I definitely see that in your content talking a lot about like, yeah, like the passing it down and like stopping that, that whole cycle. And it is something I hear from clients like over and over again and resonate with myself. And then as now like a new mom, and I know you are as well. Like, I feel like it yes. just a whole new, like it brings it to a whole new level of like, yeah, I really, really don't want to pass any of yeah, this. It's like you're going through it all over again with your kid and trying to figure out how do I protect them from this, but also not yes. make it too much of a thing. It's a lot of stress to navigate when you're the first one to like be aware of some of these forces. Yes. You phrased that perfectly. Cause that's exactly what I've been thinking too. I'm like, wait, I don't want to like also make it such a big thing that we're like, yeah, constantly talking about like the healing aspects of it either. Cause like, it's okay for like food and body stuff to just like be in the background. I'm like, yeah. that's I mean, goal. that would be the goal. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're not talking about it all the freaking time. So, exactly. oh gosh. So we're all figuring it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, okay, so I would love to just kind of get into our topic of today, um, talking a little bit about more about binge eating. Uh, what is your definition of binge eating? I think about it like a clinician a little bit, meaning when I talk to people, I'm trying to learn what are some of the factors that are driving their experience with food. And sometimes that experience is positive and sometimes it is not so positive for them. So when I'm talking to folks, I'm trying to learn um, if they're having negative experiences with food, do they feel a little bit out of control? Do they feel a lot of guilt and shame around those food experiences? Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that would be the textbook definition of binge eating. Um, there is a definition for binge eating in the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic criteria that psychologists and psychiatrists use. Yeah. Um, but so many people might not technically hit that criteria, but would say to you, hey, I binge. Yeah. So a lot of times we're trying to sort out, is that you judging yourself eating in a way that maybe is different from a diet expectation, but is actually within the realm of normal? Or are you eating in a way that does feel like a loss of control? Like there is almost this, like something comes over you and you really can't interrupt that eating pattern. So yeah. it's a bit of a long answer, but that's how I tend to think about it with clients is, are we yeah. beating ourselves up against an expectation or are we experiencing loss of control? Binges would be more in the loss of control category. Yeah, no, that's a really helpful way of thinking about it, a really helpful explanation. And it's so true that like, so often when I'm on like a discovery call with a client, and they're like, yeah, I struggle with binge eating, or like, I just I binge all the time, like, whatever, like, there's really like, from my angle, I'm like, wait, we need to break this open a little bit and really understand, like you said, like, is it that judgment of your eating that it doesn't mm -hmm. look like the way that you think it quote unquote should? Or is that there that lack of control aspect, which is so like, I don't even know. I don't know if I want to call it like subjective, but it's like, yeah, you've got to kind of figure out like, yeah, does it feel like you're like unable to kind of stop what's going on? Like how yeah. is it feeling in your body? And it's interesting because I feel like in the DSM-5, like the true quote unquote definition, like it's a lot of like quantity or like times per week or whatever. And it's like, I feel like that's not, it kind of misses the mark a little bit for some people. And who decided that? Like who's, <laughs> exactly. the, who's the governing body that's... 
I just had this like metaphor flash into my head. We'll see if it makes any sense. I have like a mom brain situation going on all the time, but I had this, this feeling of like, if you were riding a bike and you maybe lifted your legs off the pedals downhill, there's a feeling of like, this is fun. And there's a feeling of like, oh my gosh, the bike is wobbling and I'm going to fall down. Yes, That to me is the difference between like, sometimes you can be eating rapidly or maybe even a little mindlessly and you might be eating large volumes and different types of foods, but it feels a little bit like fun (laughs) and free. And sometimes that same exact experience could happen within yourself or a different person. And it feels like you're about to fall down the hill chaotic. So that's, I think it is subjective because you have, you're in the driver's seat and only, you know, what feels a little bit more like unstructured and fun and free and what feels like I'm about to go downhill and it's going to (laughs) hurt. Right. I actually love that metaphor. That was amazing. And I'm glad it made sense. Yeah, no, that was great. And it's so true. And I think about like from the outside looking in at somebody like those experiences, right? Like might look very similar, but like Mm -hmm. from internally, it's feeling totally different. So I think that's going to resonate for a lot of people. Um, okay. So the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was a post you made recently, basically about like finding that balance when you're working on healing, binge eating between no structure at all and too much structure. So can you just like talk a little bit about what you meant by that? Yeah. One of the drivers for binge eating, whether you are having the loss of control variety or you're using the word binge to talk about uh, a missed expectation you're eating. So we'll kind of lump that together going forward here. Yeah one of the drivers will be restriction. And so many people are trained if they have broken a food rule, if they have overeaten to the extent that they feel physically uncomfortable or they perceive themselves overeating, they're going to try to course correct. And they're going to try to do that by eating less volume, less frequently different types of foods. And usually that leads to, leads to some type of deprivation. So that can be mental deprivation, like, oh God, I never get to have X, Y, Z food that I love. Mm-hmm. Could be physical deprivation where there's that little quiet rumbling of hunger, preoccupation of food. And as human beings, we can only withstand that deprivation for so long. Our bodies are going to kick in and they're going to say to us, hello, this is not working. Mm-hmm. And that's where we can swing to the other side, which is eating, quote, too much, yeah. eating in a way that leads to guilt and shame. And guess what? Now we're back where we started and we're going to repeat that whole cycle again. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people who experience this, it might feel like common sense to course correct or even like you're doing the right thing based on your past diets. But usually it's just maintaining a cycle that you're really desperately trying to get out of. Oh, yes, exactly. Right. I always phrase it this way, which I don't know if it totally makes sense, but like, it's just like kind of like rewinding the whole cycle up, right? If you Mm -hmm. go back to restriction, which was the cause, then in order to balance out again, at some point, you're going to have to swing over to the chaos. So like, in order to find that like more neutral, balanced, supportive place that like everyone is kind of wanting to find, you have to kind of allow permission for the pendulum to swing to mm-hmm. out of control, chaotic, potentially even that binging, right? Yeah. And it's very scary. And that comes to your point about structure where yeah. many people say, well, so what am I supposed to do when I, if I have this binge experience, I'm just supposed to like, let it be yeah. and, and not. And, and then you hear questions like, well, am I not allowed to meal plan? You know, if a client say like, I portioned out my lunches for the week. Was that bad? And the answer is no. Like some of this stuff 
our life skills. They're part of yes. you know, like, like old home economics or things <laughs> like that, where like, yeah, like you're going to have to meal plan in today's world. Like we, we aren't just walking down to the, you know, I think of beauty and the beast, that scene where she like goes down to the market <laughs> and like, you're not going down and getting food every morning. You've got to go to the store at a certain rhythm that works for your family. You maybe want to cut and prep things and mm-hmm. structure can be a tool that you lean on to feed yourself. And different people's benefit from different levels of structure. I am someone who benefits from a, quite a bit of structure. My brain is all over the place. I'm always got like 16 things going on. I like to be fed on time or I get hangry. There's a certain element of my personality that structure works well for me. There are other people who are much more spontaneous and free and the level of structure I like would feel like restriction to them. So I do think it's very individual. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to think about what helps you to care for your body um, as you're going through that healing process. Yeah, I love that. And it's so true. Like when I, anytime the idea of like planning or prepping around food comes up, a lot of people's guard goes up, right? When they've mm-hmm. like used it or it's, yeah, been used all around them for kind of dieting purposes and restriction purposes, it's really hard to like break that mold. Um But yeah, I think what comes up for me as you were talking about that is really like kind of the intention behind it, right? If the intention is if I portion out my lunches for the week, maybe I won't eat as much and maybe I'll eat less and maybe blah, blah, blah. Like, right. Like there can be that there, or there can be, if I portion out my lunches for the week, I won't have to think about lunch all Mm. week, right. And like, and it'll be easier for me to eat on time and keep my body nourished and then not get overly hungry. And that will feel better. And that will help support me and not leading to binges, right? Like there's such a different way of looking at it. Right. Yeah. Structure can be more like a trampoline or like something you're jumping off from versus like a fence that keeps you locked in to whatever it is you said you were going to do. And I think that's where people get a little bit confused because anytime they've applied structure, it's always been as a fence. It's always been, I'm going to use this so I can hopefully look the other way when I get too hungry, Mm -hmm. or I can look the other way when I'm craving this quote, bad food. And with intuitive eating, we're actually trying to like set up space where you maybe have some structure, but if you're learning something through your own pattern, like I keep eating this meal and I keep leaving somewhat hungry. Well, guess what? That's a cue to shift the structure and you can keep iterating and changing things as things change. And they will, they will change in different season of your life. I have a client I was talking to today, her job completely changed. Now she's eating lunch with other people. And she's trying to get to know her new coworkers. Guess what? She's not paying attention. She's yeah. eating half as much lunch as she packed and she needs to rethink her body connection and how she's spacing out her meals. That's awesome. She got a new job that she loves. She's connecting with new people. And it's a good thing that she can she can change her structure now too. Yeah, I think that that's always like a really big point I make when talking about the difference between kind of that structure from a diet mentality versus structure with intuitive eating is that flexibility piece, right? And that mm-hmm. key- which so often comes up in conversations around intuitive eating flexibility, like curiosity of like, how is this working for me? Like, oh, I'm portioning out my lunches and it's not enough or whatever. Like, great. Let me add more, right? Like you can, yeah, shift as you go along. So that's a really good point. Yeah. Okay. So another thing you mentioned, I think it was in the caption of that same post, you talked a little bit about like the inner bully and how, talking back to it might not kind of be enough to make it quiet or can you talk a little bit more to like what your point was there 
Yeah. So for anyone who are like uh, textbook people, intuitive eating has a whole principle called work with the food voices, I think is the language. And it basically defines that we have these different personalities within us that are going to guide our eating for better or for worse. So one of those voices is called the diet rebel. And basically its function is to protect you from over restriction. It's going to come in and it's going to say, oh, well, you know what? Diets are stupid. Forget it. If you can't do it right, don't do anything at all. And it kind of encourages this all or nothing thinking that lives behind that cycle of deprivation and guilt that we were talking a minute ago. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when people hear that voice, they kind of know it's not coming from them. It's kind of coming from this protective place and they start to argue with it. Mm -hmm. Or they start to over agree with it. They, they're <laughs> reacting to the voice rather than saying, what is this voice trying to do for me? What is it? What is it trying to tell me right now? And usually what it's trying to tell you is that the structure is too tight somewhere in your routine. It could be that individual meal. It could be more broadly. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the caption there, I was sort of alluding to the fact that when we become aware of the diet cycle, especially if you don't have support to reframe your thoughts, sometimes people can start getting, it gets almost heavier before it gets lighter around healing this because now you're like, well, I shouldn't be eating whatever I want and I shouldn't be restricting. And then that voice is still popping up and now we're fighting with that voice on top of it. So yeah. it can be really beneficial to try to slow down and just like notice what am I thinking right now? How do I feel as I'm thinking these things? Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe start to see that inner bully as more of a signal that the structure's off rather than a sign you're doing a bad job, because that's not true. You're trying something new and it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really uncomfortable in the beginning. Yes. Oh, that's such a good reminder. Cause it's, it's so true that like, that's such a common experience I hear from folks of like, wait, like these voices just seem to be like more present and louder. And now I'm like pushing back against them with, against them with my new intuitive eating voice of like, wait, no, I shouldn't be thinking that. And it's like, you can just, again, yeah, like give yourself wrong. a break. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Too many people talking in your head. <laughs> exactly. That's so funny. Um, okay. So some actionable, uh, actionable tips for the person listening to all of this, who's feeling stuck in that kind of free for all place with food, right? Like they were in restriction and now they're kind of trying to allow all the things and they feel like they're kind of like stuck there. What are some things that might be helpful for that person? Mm. First, I want to acknowledge that everyone is different. So these tips that I'm saying, I'm going to do my best to think like, you know, if, if someone was really in the throes of it, how we would simplify the process, because that's true of anything in your life. If you're feeling overwhelmed, like you've got too many points that you're focusing on, one thing you can do is simplify and reprioritize. So I'm going to answer that way. But if you're listening and you're like, I tried that and it didn't work, all is not lost. Everyone is different. There are actually a couple different avenues to work through this. But when I see someone kind of in that struggle dealing with like their inner food voice fight, they're feeling like the swinging pendulum out of control, and maybe they've tried to apply permission to eat, like I'm going to eat whatever I want and it's not going well. Yes. You can always think about this in a more strategic way. So for some people that might mean actually listing out foods that they feel super out of control around, or even context or environments they feel really out of control. So for a lot of people, it's like a party. When I'm at a party, that's my cheat day free for all. And that's the this occasion for me. For some people, it's like, oh, when my husband leaves the house and I know no one's around, then that's my moment. 
So if you could just even get to know, like, what are the situations or the specific foods that you are struggling with this binge experience? And maybe just pick one to shift and focus on rather than trying to do things like bring in every forbidden food you've ever had into the house all at once or, you know, tell yourself that you're going to eat whatever you want at every party you go to. These are all or nothing reactions still. Like I will always bring all the foods in the house. I will always eat (laughs) whatever I want versus what if we look at one moment in time and maybe try to use that as like a prototype or a learning station, Mm -hmm. not even get it right, but just to slow down a little bit and see if you can either neutralize the food, um, for example, like giving permission to eat or maybe changing some of the conversations in your head. Focusing on one thing at a time really does wonders. And then gives you some confidence to say, okay, all right, I figured that one thing out. Can I borrow from that win somewhere else and then see this happen a little bit more often? I love that one so much. Yeah, because it's hard to see what's going on if you're, first of all, too, like if you're doing so many things and it's like that overwhelm. So like to just like hone in and and I love that you point out the confidence piece too, because I feel like that's so Mm -hmm. big when you, people have those moments of like a glimpse of like, oh, maybe I can trust my body here. Like all the brownies in the world. And I really was sure I couldn't, but now I'm seeing that I might be able to, and it's like that is powerful and is going to help in like all these other, like addressing all these other areas. Yeah. You totally need it too, because so far, if you've been in that pendulum, we just described, you only have experiences of permission, meaning loss of control. So of course, if that happens again, in this new way, this new method you're learning, you're going to go, here I go again. I can't be trusted. That's a very common reaction. So figuring out how to get some confidence in this in a small way is totally going to be your friend because then you can use what you learned in an over and over again. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's really good. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for everything you shared in our brief little chat. Of course. I love talking about this stuff and <laughs> appreciate you having me on to chat about it. Of course. Yeah. Can you please let people know where they can find you and any current offerings you have available? So I can be found on Instagram at no.more.guilt. Um, I tried the TikTok thing. It was not for me. I'm a I'm an old lady, I guess, but um, (laughs) I post videos on there that can kind of get you thinking and inspired. I also have several free guides on my website. One is a three-step guide to eat without guilt. Another one is a doctor's visit guide to help you have health conversations in a more weight-inclusive way. Um, And I just like to invite people to hang out there. And if you like what you see, um, I offer courses and coaching and all that if you feel like you need a little bit more fine-tuning. Amazing. And you might have mentioned this, I missed it. What is your website? Yeah. What is your website? It's melissalandrynutrition.com. So my name, nutrition.com. Straightforward. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, Melissa. Amazing. Thank you. All right, guys, that's a wrap on episode 172 with Melissa Landry. Don't forget to go follow her on Instagram at no.more.guilt. And make sure to register to my free Food and Body Peace Masterclass happening on Tuesday, March 12th at noon Eastern time. I'm going to leave the link below this episode so you can quickly register or head over to my Instagram at theintuitive underscore RD. And the link will be in my bio to register there as well. All right, guys, have a great week and I will talk to you soon.